song means. It's Friday morning. It's just past 10 a.m. in the attic. Well, it's just past 10 a.m. on the East Coast as well. This is Philanthropy in Focus, and I'm your host, your navigator, your guide. I also call myself the nonprofit sector connector. And every single Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. on the West Coast, and at different times around the globe, I will be bringing you leaders of nonprofit organizations on Philanthropy in Focus. I call myself as I say, the nonprofit sector connector. I believe that nonprofits change our world each and every day. They make an incredible impact. And it's my job, it's my mission, it's my passion to help them amplify their message and tell their stories. And I do it in different ways. I do it going out and doing 60 days of service. I do it attending the uh, New York City Imagine Awards the other night where I met a whole bunch of incredible nonprofit leaders. Uh, The the challenge with the Imagine Awards, both on Long Island and in New York City, is there's only some people who get the prize. And I will not say that there's only some winners. There's only some people who get the prize because all nonprofits are incredible, making incredible impacts. So as uh, it sounds cliche, as they say at the Imagine Awards, but they're all winners. But all nonprofits make an impact. And I'm I'm currently, uh, I reflect on my evening last night real quick with everybody I'm in the core certificate program with the Institute for Nonprofit Practice. And, you know, I'm one of the only people who is not employed by a nonprofit organization, but I'm there to really grow my network in the space and grow my knowledge of the space so I could be more impactful for you all who are listening and all the nonprofits that I connect with and consult with. So this show is all about amplifying the message. That's what we talk about. Each week we bring another leader. And today, Dr. Jeremy Tigerman is here from Tigerman, which was formerly known as the School for Language and Communication Development. So we're going to dive in. I'm going to tell you a little bit real quick about Dr. Jeremy before we even dive in. Psychology, doctorate in psychology of school and community psychology from Hofstra University here on Long Island. Went to the University of Maryland undergrad. We're about the same age as I look at the dates here. In fact, we're right on the same age. Uh, psychology degree. Uh, that's the Terps down there, I believe. The Terrapins, right? Down in Maryland, right? right? I actually have uh, a Titleist hat. We used to go down to Ocean City, Maryland each year and play um, play golf. And I got a Terps hat with Titleist. So let's, uh, let, let's just, let me set the stage. So this school has been around, this system, this nonprofit organization has been around since 1985. And as we joked a little bit leading up to today's conversation, Dr. Jeremy, we we talked that you've been involved with this organization basically from the beginning, or you were very uh, you were very young when this organization started. So, how well do you know this Ellen Morris Tigerman? Well, she's somebody very familiar to me. She would be my mother, <laughs> and so she's our our founder and chief executive officer at this point in time. So, tell me that what was the catalyst in in, in Dr. T, that's what that's what we call your mom, right, Dr. T. Yep. What what was the catalyst that sort of set up the situation where where she said, "I need to go do this. I need to create this this organization." So th- our story, as many other stories you probably hear, there, there, there's amazing history and personal sacrifice. So it really relates to how we got started. And my mother, Ellen Morris Tigerman, Dr. T, uh, as a child. She grew up in Brooklyn and uh, she was on a park in a park one day and she was playing with her sister on playground equipment in Brooklyn. And my aunt, her sister, ended up falling off the playground equipment and suffering a traumatic brain injury. It was not long lasting. 
but it was a period of time where she had significant deficits and disruptions to her development. And it was a very, very painstaking, challenging time, clearly, for my aunt, for her siblings, my uncle and my mother, as, as well as for my, parent, uh, my grandparents who had to go through this, this process. So what ended up happening is once she eventually was cleared to leave, and she was a typically developing youngster, she had certain deficits that they were not sure how long they would last. And at that point in time, in the 50s or so, uh, special education looked very, very different than yeah, it does I, now. I mean, it looked different 30 years ago. So you're talking 60 years ago, right? More, right? So yeah. uh, compl- drastically different, right? And, and I would say probably tragic in a lot of ways uh, from, from my recollection and the stories that go on about, about what special education looked like. Absolutely. And so for my grandparents who did not come from great means and certainly were not in the field of education. What was recommended to uh, them by the doctors, by the school that my, my aunt was attending was, you know, at this point in time, she really can't function in this kind of setting. And you might need to look outside of the public school setting or at that point in time, those options weren't great. Like our, we'll talk a little bit about our non-public school. They were talking about institutionalizing her. And that was what was offered to youngsters and people at that point in time. To hear this, my grandparents were traumatized and very, very scared and unwilling to, when they, I think at that point in time, they went to tour some of these places, unwilling to put my aunt there. So he, my grandfather, um, one of the brightest individuals I've ever met, um, and a very interesting man. We could talk about him a little bit if you want to. But he had to make a choice. So we're at a crossroads at this point in time. Are we going to go down this path, or am I going to take this matter into my own hands? And my grandfather, as I mentioned to you, not an educator and not uh, of great means, couldn't hire like a tutor. Mm -hmm. And he said, I am going to tutor her to the best of my ability for however long it takes to get her to where she needs to be. So the next several months and years resulted him going out, consulting with educators, purchasing whatever money they had, textbooks. And every night coming home from work, he spent hours upon hours tutoring her. And that was started about 12 years of my uncle and my mother witnessing this very intensive, routinized training program that my grandfather tirelessly worked, never skipped a day. But he created this himself, Jeremy, right? I mean, it, it doesn't sound like there was, he didn't buy anything off the shelf other than the books. So he exactly, was, exactly. He, yeah, exactly. So he had to, and as we know in education, you know, develop some sort of a methodology, develop a relationship, understand her strengths and weaknesses, you know, and, 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 and continue with intensive, nonstop types of services that he gave to her. And what this resulted in was a fire in Dr. T, my mother's belly, about yeah. what, it, what it takes to, and, and for our students, we'll talk a little bit about that shortly, 
that they can do extraordinary things. They can do miraculous things. And sometimes these, this population is forgotten about or, you know, discarded. They can do it. They need the support. And after 12 years of intensive tutoring, she was able to eventually be mainstreamed back into public school. And then she went on to graduate from high school. And a, a, a nice little story that my grandfather told me when I was growing up, and he told all of the grandchildren, is that when my aunt graduated from high school, she mentioned to my grandmother and my grandfather, you know, Rita was my grandmother's name. You gave me my first life by helping me, you know, bearing me. And Morris, you gave me my second life through tutoring. She ended up, ended up continuing on with education to Vassar for undergrad and then went on to medical school and is a continue, still a practicing endocrinologist. Now, now your aunt doesn't get to that point. Um, and I'm making an assumption here and I'm reaching and you correct me. If Morris, if your grandfather is not intensively building a methodology and figuring out and creating how to help this young girl connect and get it and, and be educated. Is that, I mean, she, absolutely. she, she no I doubt. mean, it's in that statement, she gives it all to him. She gives him the credit, right? Absolutely. There's, there's, there's no way that uh, we could kind of go back and see kind of what the course of the traumatic injury could have resulted in and maybe working it out. But this very intensive day to day kind of um, love, passion, um, tutoring resulted in, in, in such a miraculous saving her life. And then it, it triggered something in my mother that would become her passion, her fire, her mission that then spread. It was like a, a virus of sorts, a beautiful one where it spread to other people um, and that she met, that she worked with, that were so amazed by her and jumped on board with the program. And then the families, the students, the thousands upon thousands of students that we've worked with over the years. So it was oh, extraordinary. What was your grandfather? Uh, is your grandfather still with us? No, he passed. He passed. Did, okay. Did he, was he around to see the, the original, what the school was, the school for language and communication development? Was he there to see what mom had accomplished or had yes. started to accomplish? Yes. And another little, and I talked to you about sacrifices. Another amazing little story for you was when my mother started the school in 1985, uh, all students that come to the school, and there are several stories maybe we will get into if we have enough time, yeah. uh, about kind of the twists and turns of starting a nonprofit um, in the 80s and 90s. But uh, she had students and she had staff, but with those students comes tuition and state ed at that point in time was not able to send funding to her in a timely fashion. And that funding paid for supplies and also salaries for the staff. And she said to her, to my grandfather, I'm not going to make my payroll here. And he went to the bank and mortgaged his home. And she was able to pay the staff salaries for the se first several months until funding came through. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, it sounds like an incredible man. And, you know, you're fortunate to have had him in your life. How long, is, how, how long ago did we, we uh, lose your grandfather? About about ten years. Now. About ten years ago. So he lived in, he lived into his older years. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So uh, the, my grandmother and my grandfather both um, very very important 
people in all of our lives. Yeah. And uh, they were around to see um, me starting to work at the school. They were able to see uh, what uh, SLCD, as you mentioned, School for Language and Communication Development, ended up turning into being and uh, came to many, many fundraisers and spoke to many people uh, about how proud they uh, were of, of my mother and what she had created and accomplished. It's incredible. I talk a lot about impact. What's the ripple effect, which I mean, uh, we're going to go to quick break now, but w- when we come back, we'll talk more about it. I, one comment I want to make, I had John Kemp on the show from Viscardi, uh, CEO of Viscardi. Mm-hmm. Now he's moving on uh, down to Alabama to lead another organization. But, you know, I talked to, to John about uh, the, the young people that go to the Viscardi school and the Viscardi center and abilities and everything over there. And, and there's one young man who, who is, um, who's on in, on a video and he says, I could do everything that you mm-hmm. can do. I mm-hmm. just do it differently, which is what you're telling me and what I'm hearing and, you know, embracing that awareness that it's not necessarily a limitation. It's just different. I mean, you and I probably learn differently, right? Absolutely. And, and I, I, we're not called, you know, intellectually developmentally disabled, right? But we have different styles. So, I want to talk more about that when we come back, because I feel myself, we're going to never get to the break. So um, this is Philanthropy in Focus. Shout out to Steve Fry and Mick Collins checking in on Facebook. Thank you for your support, guys. Dr. Jeremy Tegerman and I will be right back in the attic. Just about two minutes. Come right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. It even makes me laugh when I hear that song. Come through the static, join me in the attic every Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time. The nonprofit sector connector amplifying the message. 
for my favorite sector, the nonprofit sector. So I, I wish I had the opportunity, Dr. Jeremy, to meet your grandfather. It sounds like an incredible man. And your grandmother was there at, at his side. So they did that as a team, I'm sure, 12 years to, to create and bring your aunt what she needed. And now she's a doctor and, and you said an endocrinologist. So, and, and the, the story that and I, I, we know how sometimes things get lean and scarce in the nonprofit sector. And the fact that, that this man in, in to support his other daughter, Dr. Ellen Morris Tegerman, to, to support what the SCLD <laughs> mortgages his home to, to help mom make payroll. I mean, uh, just, tremendous sacrifice, yeah, incredible sacrifice. And, and what a game changing, right? How many lives have been affected because maybe you don't make payroll. That's a problem. You don't make payroll. Your employees stop showing up and then you don't have an organization anymore. So that's the one, you know, that's the one you never want to miss is, is getting the paychecks out on a biweekly basis for sure. So, so let's, let's go, let's go into when the school starts to develop 85, 86, and then the nineties and stuff like that. And I, I mean, it's a, it's a family of schools. It's a right, a family of programs. So t- talk to me about that. Absolutely. So just to tell, share with you and with your audience quickly, as you mentioned, 1985 was the beginning of the program. Dr. T, she started out uh, as a researcher at Adelphi University, and she was a, a speech language pathologist by trade and a professor there. And they started a clinic, a, a preschool program for 36 preschool children in 1985. And how this whole thing started was one of our first students there, and uh, she's very near and dear to me, the parent of one of those students, uh, Toya Davis, who still works with us. She was the parent of Jonathan Davis, who was one of our first students there. And because it was just a preschool program, all of our students ended up transitioning after four years of age to kindergarten public school. And she said to my mother, she said, um, I love your program and uh, you know, you've done so much for my son. Uh, the only problem, and I'm willing to go to transition back to a public school, I've looked around, there's nothing out there. There was and no programs so, yet. In, what, are talk, what are we talking, early? We're not talking about non-public schools. We're talking because not many of these programs kind of existed yeah. in 85. It's 85. Like in public schools, um, these, these programs or these services uh, that uh, they're offering children, is really not up to par uh, with what you're offering with regard to the, the intensive, and I want for your audience, to under, uh, your audience to understand, that's our hallmark, intensive language development. But so she said to Toy, Mrs. Davis, she said, you know what, we'll find something. I'm going to go look around with you. So, so, so Ellen Morris, Dr. Tigerman is going, going to now help uh, Toya and I've met Toya and I know and I've seen at your galas and, and, and at golf outings and things how close these two women are mm-hmm. and and I even know on your I have your website pulled up and it's Ask Toya it's one yep. of the pieces on, on the website she's parent liaison she's parent liaison that's her role in the organization yep. sure well she's been through it right who better than navigate and liaise with the parents than than somebody who's been through it but so so they say all right we'll go to the market we'll find it right? And, and what happens? It isn't there. So what happens when it's not there? What does the entrepreneur do, but create it, I guess, right? Absolutely. And she said to Toya, she was like, you know what, you're right. Uh, how hard is it to start a school? And uh, <laughs> right? little, did she, little did she know. And so there have been, it's been a roller coaster ride of sorts through the years, but she ended up getting approval to be, and what we are, uh, we started out and we still are today is a state approved non-public school 
okay, a non-public school program. And we have other branches of the agency that we'll talk about briefly also, but uh, started out as a small preschool program. And really what happened um, to help us grow or really explode was there was another piece of the roller coaster ride where uh, there was a student that a parent wanted to place at my at the school and the school district was in disagreement about it and um, the student was placed in the school and the student was eventually pulled even though really this was the most appropriate place for this child to be the parents felt that way but the school district didn't feel that way dr t ended up suing the state educate new york state education department and what ended up happening is it was a 10 year lawsuit, which went uh, ballooned to close to a million dollars out of, we had to, to pay right. to, legal fees. Yes, legal fees, right? 10 years that was eventually settled. But what ended up happening every year was the judge placed a restraining order because the deal that we would never settled. So the students that were there got a year older mm. every year. Don't touch those kids. Got a year older, got a year older. So that in the beginning, she just wanted a preschool to a second or third grade. It ended up ballooning to a fourth, fifth, sixth. And that's what really started. But that uh, wasn't the plan. It almost seems like no, some it, was kind of it was some kind of divine intervention because there was the need for these young people as they started to, to get older yes. for programs like yours. Yes. But because, it, you know, because of the case, what, what I'm hearing you say is it stretched out and the kids are aging and you go, well, if they're, you know, they're protected to stay here. Well, we need to educate them while they're here. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And the parents, want, parents really wanted them to be there because it's not easy to, to go you know, be in the middle, you know, and, and deal with the school district and, and battle. No one really wants to do that. That's uncomfortable. So that resulted in us. We have the 1985 start. Then in 2006, we went to a middle school, expanded to a middle school slash high school in Woodside, Queens. We grew too large there and we split up the middle school high school in 2010. And so the middle school remained in Woodside, Queens. In 2010, and the high school transitioned to Richmond Hill in 2010. Mm -hmm. And then we had approximately about 200, 300 kids. And just like when Toya was about to leave with Jonathan to transition back to the public school, and for your listeners, I'm not sure if they are aware, special education services in the state of New York exhaust or run out at 21 years of age. And for some of our students, they are able to go on to a two-year or four-year college kind of situation or work independently. But for some others, they're not able to do that and they need greater levels of support. Uh, and so they said to Dr. T, well, are you thinking about opening uh, a university? That's what Toy always asks about. Do you hear me uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe that's a future plan for me here. Sounds but, like your job. Yeah, exactly. But she, but she, she, the parents said we need something else. And that's where we branched out into the adult services world. So at this point in time, and that happened in 2011, we opened up Tigerman Community Services. We are a lifespan agency. We have preschool programs, three, three and four year olds. We have universal pre-K. These are typically developing students. We have K through 12 special ed, and we have after 21 till the end of time, adult services. 
where I, I know the answer to this, but so I, the others don't who are listening. So where are your students coming from? It's not just, you know, you're, you have, uh, you have buildings in Queens, you have buildings here in Nassau County, mm-hmm. but, but students come from where? So they're coming, we are approved to provide special education services to New York City students, five boroughs and Long Island students. So we have some students coming from very, very far distances. Staten Island, I think, right? Absolutely. And that's a testament to Dr. T and her vision and mission and all of our wonderful staff because they will drive to the end forever to, to come here and they see in our school in our programming, what the miracles and the extraordinary things that we do on a daily basis. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And there has been an evolution in my own lifetime and you and I are are of the same age. So, Mm -hmm. you you know, I remember, so we have a family foundation in memory of my cousin, Linda Cunningham, the Lindy Lou foundation. And, you know, Linda went to uh, mainstream was Linda had special needs, but she was in a, a special education program uh, at New Hyde Park High School. Mm-hmm. And and I remember, you know, so I went to public school and then I went to uh, Chaminade here on the island later on. But I, I, even in my, you know, you figure it's my 25th high school reunion coming up in a couple of weeks. And it's even in that time frame, things have changed. You know, I, I know with my own children, and I'm sure you do, you know, in the mainstream population, if you will, that there are neurotypical children mm-hmm. and, and uh, individuals with IDD, intellectual and developmental disabilities, everybody. I, I love acronyms, but I got to underline them for you. So um, in, in together, you know, where it's appropriate, it, you know, and sometimes it, it's not appropriate and it's not the best fit for that, that particular child. And, and that's, that's where you come in. So, but I, I, I you know, the evolution, and I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I'm involved with, um, I sit on the advisory board for Best Buddies of New York. In fact, I have a call with the folks, uh, my friend Sophie, uh, this afternoon. So the school programs are, are critically important and integration as, as appropriate as we talk about is, is critically important. So I, I, I want to talk more about what the programs of the school offer, what the programs of the entire kind of family of services and you say that full continuum that life continuum but what i what i'm looking over at your website and i want to know how much of this we could talk about it we're going to take a break in a minute but the tlm the tigerman language method and i you know i want to know like and we'll have some time to think about it but what if any of that comes from morris's work 45, 50 years ago, and, and how much of that is a Dr. Ellen Morris, Tigerman, and, and, and things. So uh, I'll give you 90 seconds to think about it while we take a break, but I'd love to hear about that when we come back. Dr. Jeremy Tigerman is with me of Tigerman. Uh, I'm Tommy D, in case you didn't know that. We'll be right back. Philanthropy and Focus. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you a cannabis enthusiast, a cannabis professional, or interested in entering the cannabis space? 
I'm Johnny Tsunami, and this is Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. On our show, we will discuss the cannabis world through the perspective of various cannabis professionals. Tune in every Thursday evening, Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m., Talk Radio NYC, Planet Paco Lolo, a less taboo view. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauber, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Me in the attic every Friday morning, philanthropy and focus, amplifying the message for nonprofits. So here's the story. Uh, 1985, Dr. Ellen Morris Tigerman founded the uh, what at the time was called the School for Communication and Language Development, is now known as Tigerman. Uh, this, you know, we've been on this journey now, Jeremy and I, for for a half hour talking about where it all started. It started as Dr. T watching her dad take care of and really have an intense regiment with, um, with his other daughter to, to make sure she got the, the skill set she needed and learned and was, was taught the way she could learn uh, after experiencing a traumatic brain injury. So the school has evolved. There's a lot going on. I, before we even get into the, the uh, Tigerman language method, I'd like to just ask you, Jeremy, what was there ever a doubt in your mind that you would go into the family business or was this like, you know, watching Dr. T watching your mom do this as a youngster. I mean, we talked about it the other day, you you know, you walk the halls of Mm -hmm. of the school from the time you were six years old, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe if there was no childcare, you were at school on a day off for school. I think you told me the other day. So Mm -hmm. did you just know eventually I'm going to put on a suit and I'm going to run this place? (laughs) Well, I, I had hoped if, if I could kind of try to do the best I can to fill her shoes. And these, these are, that's an impossible task because she is a titan yeah. in the field. So I just have to kind of find my own niche kind of thing and, and try to do the best to not mess this thing up. <laughs> but but uh, absolutely. I think growing up as I, uh, during different stages of my life, I was aware kind of of what she was doing. And as you mentioned, running through the hallways and, you know, playing with with some of those children. They were my friends. But as I got older, a greater appreciation for what exactly she was doing and amazed not only of the, the charitable work that she was doing was the successes, 
uh, that these children and now these young adults have achieved. Uh, it, it is extraordinary, mind-boggling what we've been able to accomplish, as well as what you talked about before about the ripple. Yes, it's, it's unbelievable the number of students and families and people we have been in contact with or we have impacted through the years. That is really what my passion and mission. So talk, talk to me about some of those success stories, you know, aside from your, your aunt being, you know, an ultimate success story, right. Um, faster. And then on to med school and the whole mm -hmm. thing. What talk to me about some of the students and, and what, where that, who have now come back. I mean, we're talking, you know, 85 is a long time ago. These people are adults. Well, several, several years, we of course have Jonathan Davis, uh, you know, uh, so he ended up uh, graduating from uh, Howard university. Uh, mm -hmm. So we were all very, very proud of him, and, and Toya was very proud of him. But uh, we had several other students who ended up coming back for a reunion of sorts. Uh, one student, uh, it's an amazing, we have the picture. You know, Tommy, if you ever end up coming to the building, and any of your listeners, whenever you guys want a tour, call me. I'll let you bring you to well, the I building. came for a tour of the new building, you know. Yes. Oh, oh, right, yeah, when you yes. before it even opened up, yeah. But the other building in Glen Cove yep. is we have a picture of a young man wearing a, a, a Duke sweatshirt. And he came to our program uh, in preschool and stayed for a couple of years. And he ended up coming back and he ended up playing lacrosse for Duke. And, okay. and the mother said when he was wearing that sweatshirt, I never had in my wildest dreams imagined that he would go on to Duke. We had somebody else. Who Wait, he had a Duke sweatshirt on as a kid? In this pic, in the school picture. Oh, yeah, as a school picture. Oh, man. School picture. We have the picture. I'll show you that picture. Yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. It's an amazing story. We had uh, somebody else who, who came, uh, who ended up becoming a journal for, in, on the, for the Wall Street Journal. So we've had tremendous success stories. And, uh, you know, for us, you know, really the important thing is not necessarily what university you go to or what job you attain, is really can we do whatever we can to give you the tools to be functional and independent and as successful as possible. Because what is success for one person is different for somebody else. Yep. So let's talk about the TLM, the, the Tigerman language method. What, what is that? I mean, I, I don't, it's on your website. So I don't want to like say like, we're not giving away the secret sauce. I'm not like, taking <laughs> away, I'm not taking it. You know, this is not the formula for Coca-Cola that yes, like, I'm yes, asking, yes. Well, you know, in general terms. I had that <laughs> hidden in a safe, but I, I'm sure you do. So don't tell me the whole thing. Just tell me what you can share. Sure. So the TLM, which was, as you mentioned, used to be called the Tigerman language method, but is now called the Tigerman learning method has evolved based on the population that we have evolved to serve. When we started out the school was just speech language impaired youngsters. But what we found as we started to get students with learning disabilities, autism spectrum disorders, other health impairments, which are typically the kids sometimes with ADHD. We have some kids who have traumatic uh, brain injuries, emotionally disturbed children. So we're, we're servicing a lot of different kinds of students. But through our research over the years in doing this language method, and I'll explain to you kind of what it is, it, it, it's, it worked for all these students, regardless of the specific learning issue that they had, because Dr. T's philosophy always came back to one thing, okay? Numbers are important, letters are important, okay? Critical thinking is important, all these different kinds of things, independent living skills are important, but the foundation of everything is language. And that's what makes us, made us so unique starting in 85 and what still makes us unique today. There are lots of schools 
non-public schools like us, but our entire program is built around language development, intensive language services. And that's what, where the method comes in, is that I can liken it kind of to uh, a software program, right? Like an iOS or a, a Windows kind of thing. Your, your computer, okay, has hardware. So this, this guy that I'm using right here, okay? But you need the software to do, utilize all the different applications and do the different kinds of things. So you must have language to be able to do the things that you need and build upon that. So fundamental, it's fundamental. It's, it's absolutely, basic. absolutely. And it is in everything that we do. So our language pathologists, and just for you, for your own edification, yeah. we have upwards about 15 to 20 speech language pathologists in this building. You know, when you go to a public school or other schools, they may have several related service providers, but everyone is getting speech. It is so critical to them. Everyone across your system. Yes. Is, okay. Language pathologists are pushing into the classrooms, mm -hmm. working with the teachers to teach them the skills to be able to help the teachers teach the curriculum with language strategies. Professional development is always. Hold on. Let's, let's go back to that because I want to I want to underscore that. Side by side is the subject teacher and the speech pathologist Absolutely. To, to kind of say like, here's your methodology to deliver this information. Is that exactly. what I'm hearing? And that's always been, that's always been the, the, the language or the learning method is, you know, utilizing this method to get to where you need to get to. It's the vehicle to get you to learning your numbers, learning your letters, learning your socialization skills. Mm. And so the teachers also through professional development is heavy, heavy on language teaching them. Their, their education is in obviously special education teachers is right. learning how to understand, to work with children with special needs, learning the curriculum. Okay. But they may not have the same level of experience or a skill in learning language strategies. So that is so very, very imperative that they are hammered this education home uh, working in our school. Key differentiator, really. So uh, when we were at break, I, I said, "There's is there something you want to bring up? And, and you did say there's something you want to share specifically with me. So, you know, regarding the parity bill. So let's, because we're going to go to break in a few and then we're going to come back. And I, it's, it's sort of like the lightning round, that last piece of the show where you tell me where the organization is going in the future. What do you need? What types of connections you're looking for? Things like that. But share with me what your, what, what your concerns, thoughts, interests are around this parity bill. I think it'll be a good segue because it'll segue into the needs kind of thing. But I just just want every, well, for you to know and all your listeners to know that public schools, this is not a, a battle of public schools. They do fabulous work. But public schools are not for everyone, okay? And we, like you mentioned, every student has individual needs. And so for certain students, a non-public school is best and appropriate. But it's not equitable. Mm. The, the funds that public schools get, okay, is vastly so much more it's 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 like a, a universe apart and so what we receive in tuition and no student who attends this program uh, has to pay out of pocket they are all we all receive tuition from local school districts of the state but it's not equitable and when you have that tremendous difference in funding public schools versus non-public schools what ends up happening is we're not able to do provide all that we can to make this extraordinary, great experience, as well as um, if the public school is offering more, then that will kind of dangle the carrot in front of staff to go, oh, 
the grass is greener in this direction. So, so the challenge is, and I've heard this from other charter schools that we do some business with or clients of ours on my business side of things, and that that is you're trying to keep up with with in, in New York, in a city, it's New York City Board of Education, yeah. right? Like how do you try, and here on the island, Absolutely. it's the same idea, but that's the challenge for you. Absolutely. So quickly, just to share with you that there's been a groundswell, there's been a tremendous um, partnering with like type of agencies, 4410s, which are preschool programs, 853s that are school age programs, and we are both of those, uh, but partnering with other agencies and, and non-public schools and preschools around the state to say, hey, we are important here. We cannot be forgotten. And there are approximately 400,000 special needs students in this state, okay? And we need equity here. So let me stop you for one sec. Let, let me just stop you for one sec. 400,000 for the state of New York that have special needs who would be better served by a Tigerman-like environment, right? That, that that's where they will best excel and best learn in that environment. That's what we're saying. You know, not Ab- somebody. Abs- absolutely. Okay. Got absolutely. It. And, and so, so what this is about is that we ended up as a coalition of, of agencies reached out to families. We reached out to people like you, and obviously we're communicating with your listeners here. We yeah. reached out to legislators and we said that the disparity between what is going on in the public school and non-public schools is so great that we cannot properly serve the students that we serve every day. And they deserve it, these children. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so a something went forward. They called it the parity bill. Okay. And it passed through the two houses of the New York State legislator legislature overwhelmingly, regardless mm-hmm. of party. They passed it. Yeah. And now it sits on the governor's desk. What is there a time frame on that? And I mean, if if Governor the Hochul next several weeks, the was, next several weeks. So, so she has the option yeah. of signing it and passing it, okay, which would result in a certain number of dollars that non-public schools would get. She has the option of vetoing it, which would kill it, or the option of not signing it, and then it automatically in law gets passed, but the dollar amount would be reduced. So, so, the, so best of best of all worlds is if the governor says, "I mean, she signs it, and then you're you're in good shape." If that was to be the way to go, how soon would would that take? I mean, are we looking? You know, as you and I talk right now, it's it's late October of 2021. Is is this something for September of next year of of 22? Well, once that gets signed in, that gets kicked to the division of the budget. And they have to make their determinations of when all of this would get rolled out. Okay. So but clearly nothing is happening before 2022, but right, the hope is right. September, 2022. That, yeah. Is. Okay. So we've got to take a quick break, but before we do that, what do you need people to do on that side? Do you need people, you know, these 400,000 families roughly that are affected by this and, and families that might not have a child who needs these services, however, has a family member they're connected to somehow. Like, what is, is there a wrong word, but campaign to reach out to Governor Hochul? What What do you need from us? That That would be that would be wonderful. So reach out to their their local, you know, re- legislators to find out how you know th- th- make make sure that they are uh, aware that you know about the parity bill and th- gain their insight or advice on how we could help get this moving along. Okay. All right. Well, then we need to talk about you and I need to talk about that 
off of this show and through connections and relationships that I might have that that would be valuable. Um, as far as the show goes, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to know what's the future of Tigerman? How big can you get? I mean, obviously, the parity bill would change a lot of things, and mm-hmm. you know, but what's the future? And through my network, through the people listening, how can we help? Thank you. The connector. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Do you feel uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Well, thank you for joining me in my attic every Friday morning, 10 a.m. The nonprofit sector connected to goes live for you to amplify the message, as you've heard before, for these nonprofit organizations that I love. And uh, next week on the show, just want to say uh, Joseph Turner from Exponents, who's a friend of ours, president and CEO of Exponents, will be here on the show with me in the attic a week from today on uh, 1029. 2021. So this organization, back to Dr. Jeremy Tigerman, who's here, the uh, the second Dr. Tigerman, or may I may I don't know, there might be many Dr. Tigermans, but the second one I know. Uh, so they call you Dr. Jeremy, but they call your mom Dr. T. That's right. I mean, there's so, only one yeah. Dr. T. You can never be. Sorry, pal. You can never be Dr. T. That's man. all right. But sometimes they abbreviate me and call me instead of Dr. Jeremy, Dr. J. And that's not a bad nickname. It's okay. I think I said in the chat earlier today because I it, didn't know because I, I type with two fingers and it would have taken a long time for me to figure out how to spell Jeremy and the whole thing. So I just did Dr. J. Dr. J. Yeah, that's a great name. Julius Irving. I'm not sure I'm as good as he is, but uh, it's a good nickname. You know, I'm sure you were pretty good in your day playing a little yeah. people, man. I bet you were. So... <laughs> So let's talk about where do we go from here, man? Like what, what's the future for this organization? Obviously, you know, you stand on, uh, uh, you're on the shoulders of, of giants, you know, your mom and then this mm-hmm. lineage from the, you know, as we've talked about from, from your grandfather, mm-hmm. what do you see in your mind's eye when you look forward 20 years from now and we're having, you and I are having a conversation, you know, in 
weird to say 2041 yeah. <laughs> it's like a weird thing but if we're if you and i are having a conversation what does it look like then i think expansion is imperative uh if you're not expanding there's risk for retracting mm-hmm. and expansion always protects you uh when there are uncertain times with something kind of based on what's going on environmentally something kind of slows down you're big enough to be able to absorb that kind of thing so definitely we're going to try to do the best that we can to spread our wings and on the uh the educational side but i think that our largest expansion probably is going to happen on the adult services side so we have about 500 special needs students that we're servicing now and about 100 ish uh, adults and i think that that could explode mm. where we're providing uh dehabilitation services we have a residence we already got approved for a second residence really that's a real, that's a real growth area residences what what about um so vocational as well absolutely vocational training we do vocational training on the adult side too and that kind of kind of comes down into the the high school where it's so very very imperative before our students are graduating to have those vocational skills in the training. Yeah. So what what about other organizations and aligning with other organizations? Because, you know, there there's so much, and maybe it's so apparent for me because I spent a lot of time in the IDD community, but I, I feel there's so many organizations through collaboration and through strategic alliances that you guys can benefit each other. Have you done much of that or are you looking for some of that? Well, we're always looking for more opportunity, but I'm glad you brought that up. And I'll, I'll, I'll go back to what you mentioned about abilities. Years yeah. ago, uh, I was uh, when we started out with our middle school, high school, and I was a not an administrator. I was a psychologist, but I went with our previous principal to, you know, and we at that point in time, we knew we had to have some sort of vocational training program because all special needs kids have to have transition services mm-hmm. prior to graduating from high school so that they're as work ready as possible. And so we heard about Viscardi School and this abilities. Yeah. And we went there and we were blown away. And we yeah. said, oh my goodness. I mean, look at all the things, the hands-on kinds of things these students are doing. And it really challenged us to kind of try to do the best, you know, thinking outside of the box. We were lucky enough to have a parent in our program who was also concerned with us in the high school said, hey, my, my son is clearly not going, several years ago, is not going to college. And uh, what are we going to do to get him as ready as possible? He had, he was in marketing. He had a connection to Phillips Van Heusen, which is uh, PVH, which is the parent overarching brand for Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein. And that started, and we're close to a decade now, a really very strong relationship with Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, where they have come in and helped us to create retail stores in our Richmond Hill High School to start the process of training our students and give them ex- certain experiences. The, the requirements at this point in time in high school, not just non-public schools, all public schools is work-based learning. You need to do a certain number of hours in the building and then a certain number of internship built outside of the building. And so this really allows us to do some real practice in a real Calvin Klein, yeah. a Tommy Hilfiger store. I haven't Tommy. seen it, but I, I've heard about it. It's in, in Richmond Hill. You said, in right? Richmond Hill. We have to have you out there. Yeah, I'd love to go. I'd love to, I'd love to come out there for sure. Yeah. So, so what that has resulted in is we do the job training. Their staff comes in, trains our staff on the training process. We get their handbooks, the training manuals. We wow. have, they give us all of their product. We have clothes. We have 
all so of you actually have a store. You have a store that people have a store. It's yeah. a functioning store that our staff goes. Parents outside of the school come in and and shop. We have all of the equipment. You know the the square, the payment systems, everything. Yeah. Uh, and then what they have been wonderful enough to allow us to do is once the students get the training, then we take them outside of the building, and we are starting to do this now. We're still in pandemic, but we take them to the Tanger outlets. Yeah, and they go get training in the store. Wow, real world have, experience. Have have that has that moved into some some individuals being hired into that into the system there? Yes, we have had several students who have been hired by Calvin and also other retail places where they have said they've gone an interview. You know, my school had a training program, and this is what I did, and they said you're hired. You yeah. you, you have the training already. That's awesome, man. I mean, listen, you know, not everybody's college bound, whether, whether there's any special needs there or challenges there or not, you know, there's, there's, and, and retail, you know, is, is certainly a career for many folks, you know, and one of the wonderful things about the retail is there's front end and there's back end stuff. So there's enough to go around for somebody doesn't want to be, if somebody doesn't want to necessarily be client facing, because maybe they're introverted or whatever the deal is, right. They can be bringing, you know, stocking shelves in the back room. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of, plenty of opportunity, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. Really special. And, you know, having um, Michael Kramer, our friend from the corporate source on, and and as I mentioned, John Kemp earlier, um, shout out to Linda Berman and and Michael Kramer from the corporate source. They do incredible work. Mm -hmm. And I only bring it up because to, to underscore the importance of having a job slash career for us as individual people. It makes, it changes our world. It, it, it gives us it self-worth and value and social and all of that, right? Absolutely. And I'll tell you a quick, funny little thing. We had a legislator come to see uh, our Woodside program years ago because we want to get the word out and get support, uh, you know, through local politicians. And, and she came and she said, you know, funding for your schools is so very important. If you think about it, she was joking around. Really, what we want at the end of the day is little taxpayers, yeah. <laughs> right? Right. So, I mean, individuals. Yeah. We we need people, regardless of the going to college, or to, to be functioning. Yeah. People in our society. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. I, <laughs> very cute, though. We need more taxpayers. I, yeah. I like. I like where. Give me. I. I just. We gotta. We gotta close the show. Thank you for being here. Anything you want to tell me before you go? I just want to thank you so much. I want to thank all of your listeners. And, and really, we're, we're so blessed to have you in, in our community. Tommy's been to several of our fundraisers. And I, and I do want to let your listeners know that not only has he been, he's fantastic at golf and a great dresser, but he's been so wonderful for your listeners to know that he has come to our school. And he's one of the greater scoopers also. He's brought yes. ice cream. Yes. Scoop for our students. So yes. the, the, the support that he gives us, the time that he gives us is, is, is so wonderful. And I just want to thank you on behalf of all of us at Tegum and Tommy. Thank you, man. You know, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. Appreciate you carving out the time to tell your story with me today. And uh, that's really a shout out to my, my dad and, uh, who owns Ralph's Italian ices in Huntington, who hooks me up with the ices. I don't even know if he knows he's hooking me up half the time. I might sneak in the store at night when he's not there and take the Italian ices, but that's a story for another day, gang. You'll have to, you have to tune in next week, Jeremy, have a great weekend. I appreciate you, man. I look forward to coming for a visit soon. 
Appreciate Take care, it. All. Thank you. All right, yeah. guys, listen, we're going to close the show. Joseph Turner will be here from Exponents, who works in you know, that organization, a client of ours. I do a lot of work with them. They work in the uh, community of folks with HIV and AIDS and the mental health space and the addiction space, really providing great services. And I will tell you, my friend Regina Edwards, I saw her the other night, I always say the best view of New York City. They're in Battery Park. You can see Liberty State Park. It's I. Joe, I'd like to do the interview in person because I like seeing the view from your office, but I'll be here in the attic. Jeremy, have a great day. Everybody else, make it a great day. Stay tuned for Steve Fry. He's probably cleaning his sunglasses right now. Shout out to Steve Fry and then Jeremiah Fox after that. I'll see you guys later. Make it a great weekend. Bye. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.